The picture of the author of Luke's Gospel, the picture he paints of the Gerasene demoniac is that of extreme otherness. He is a man who doesn't even remember his own name because his mind and his soul are possessed by legions of demons and cast out by his community who scapegoat him because they themselves are possessed by legions of the Roman military. He is chained in a tomb, a dark cave without clothing and under guard. He meets Jesus at the boat and falls down in fear. This is the picture of the absolute edge of humanity. This is the ultimate alienation of man from his fellows, from his community. He can't live in peace with them and they can't abide him. His experience, his exile, his utter lack of all that is meaningful and comforting and sustaining in life is typical of individuals who do not fit the prevailing social norms, is it not? This is an extreme picture, there is no doubt. And yet, it is completely characteristic of human behavior to extrude and isolate that which is other. Scapegoating is just as relevant now as it was all those thousands of years ago in Jerusalem. Not very long ago, for instance, we were calling people who loved other people of the same sex criminals. We were keeping white people from black people. Not until 1990, 1990, it was a couple minutes ago, did we decide that we could make accommodations in workplaces so that disabled people could work there. Mostly, we avoid and ignore the Gerasene demoniac or anybody like him. As a community, we isolate and shun him. When we develop hatred, though, we need a scapegoat because we ourselves are oppressed by our own fear and stereotyping and hatred. We start to find ways to erase him. And sometimes, sometimes one of us just kills him. In Orlando, in Charleston at the African Methodist Episcopal Church, in Chapel Hill, where three Muslim students were shot in the head for no particular reason, we have witnessed the scapegoating of the Gerasene demoniac. We know something about what happens when tensions run wild and hatred boils over. Which is where the Israelites were at the time of Third Isaiah, which we heard this morning. The section we heard comes at the end of a long section of Yahweh's admonition to the Israelites that they will be liberated from Babylon when they remember to practice community, to value the neighbor, to feed the hungry, to adopt the alien, and to practice the Sabbath. In captivity, the Israelites had begun to adapt to the idolatrous practices of Babylon and to forget Yahweh and to forget Yahweh's commandments. In their anger and humiliation over their own disenfranchisement, they needed scapegoats. Scapegoats are rarely the people who are extremely typical. Scapegoats are usually just a little bit different than the norm. Israel began to forsake neighborliness in the service of her silent rage at Babylon and to take out that rage 
on each other. That silence, that silence is a powerful incitement to violence. When victims have no words, no process for judgment, the effects of disenfranchisement and of discrimination, of shunning, is lethal. To these unhappy Israelites who have mortgaged their moral integrity beyond redemption, Yahweh says something incredibly surprising. Yahweh says, when you treat your neighbors as yourselves, when you reestablish justice and hospitality and redistribute your resources, I will give you abundance. Although it is clear that Yahweh is offended by the behavior of the Israelites, it is more than clear that he will not punish Israel when she practices the abundance that he shows her. This is a poetic story about the way God sees the cure for the problems of the world. God says that to deal with worries and fears and insecurities and injustices, we need to move closer to each other, not further away. We need to look at each other and see ourselves there. What would it look like if everybody in Marin thought about what it would take to solve the problem of precarious housing and homelessness as though she were doing it for herself? What would it be like if everybody in America thought about solving the problem of the hating shooters as though they themselves were the hateful shooters? It's incomprehensible. It seems impossible, but it is what we are invited to do. The author of Luke offered a novel solution to the problem of the outcast. Jesus facilitated the, the departure of the demons from the demoniac and allowed them entrance into the pigs, who then sacrificed themselves. The pork industry in this town was presumably part of the Roman economic machine, and so the use of the pigs in the story to represent oppressive society was not a slur on the pigs. In this story, the scapegoat is exonerated, and the community who shunned him punishes itself. The social order is reversed. But I don't think the point is about who gets punished. I think that the point is that there is something to be gained from looking at the other very carefully in the hope of learning how he is like how we are, how he is like us. There is something to be gained from looking at the impact on the other of being shunned and alienated and deprived and locked away. There is something to be gained from deciding how much of what we see is just the result of being denied inclusion and respect. So how much of what we see when we look at the other is a result of our own fear? As our bishop has said, it is time for us to grieve and to pray and to act. There are many ways to act, but to remain silent is to collude with hatred and death. The invitation in these stories we have heard is to speak against violence and discrimination whenever we can to whomever we can. 
I invite us all in this community to keep each other aware of opportunities to stand against violence of any kind. Let us make no peace with oppression. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.